to have Sister Portia with. I know Sue Bryan was here yesterday. Jenny's sister did a great job. How many ladies enjoyed yesterday? <laughs> Woo! All right. So we expect you to keep us fired up this morning. Amen. Welcome, Sister Portia. She come. much it's so good to be here if you in any way participated helping out uh in the women's conference would you stand up it was men helping in the women's car we can't do it without each other just look around at this awesome people awesome people sound people we couldn't do it without you we couldn't do it without you so i just want to say thank you and i just want to say you're just so appreciated just want to thank the pastors for their wonderful hospitality he made me tea in between services anyway. It was really sweet. And um, it's just been really great being with our friends, Jenny and Ray, awesome people of God. Really just thank you. Thank you so much. <sighs> I just keep hearing it. Guess mm. what you're playing? Miracles can happen now. Spirit of the Lord is here. Miracles can happen now. Spirit of the Lord is here. You know, his presence changes everything. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, I better hurry up and start preaching because if I don't, I can get lost in the presence, and y'all be like, what in the world is she doing? Okay, so it's exciting to be here. I'm going to just go ahead and start. Uh, do you have your Bibles with you, or if you even have, do you have a pen or paper, or do you have your texts, however you're going to take notes today, because I'm going to give you some good stuff this morning, and I believe the word of the Lord is for this church. And um, I want to start this morning by saying that in the book of Genesis, if you read it, Adam started out in a relationship with God. That was the way that God intended it to be. He intended us to have a relationship with him. He intended us to have a connection with him. That's why Adam knew what to name all the animals, because he knew he had a connection with God. And we know that by Genesis chapter 3, we know that that connection with God was cut off. I've wondered in the past, did the snake, did the devil really lie to Eve when he told Eve that if you eat this fruit, you will be as God? And the answer is no. He did not lie to her. At that moment, we became little gods. At that moment, our mind was no longer connected to God's mind. And God longs for that connection with you and I again. And so I want to start by saying that just like God, we long at the core of ourselves, every single one of us, every single one of us that's born on the face of the earth has a longing. And who here knows what I'm talking about? There's some kind of emptiness that you can't really describe. Why do I long for something? What is it that's missing in my life? So at the core of ourselves, we long. Our longing help us understand what motivates us. The moment that a child enters the world, they're on a quest for satisfaction. I need, I need, give me, give me, give me. I told the last service my favorite movie is What About Bob? I love that part where he just goes off on the side. Who, who's here seen it? What About Bob? I'm sorry, everybody hasn't seen it, but it's just crazy. You gotta watch that movie. It's about this guy who just drives psychiatrists crazy, you know? And he, he get, at one point, he, there's a bus station, and, and he's begging the psychiatrist to see him on his vacation. He finds out where he is, and he's like, gimme, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean. That part always cracks me up, just like I've never seen it before. It's because I see us a lot of times as children. A lot of times, it's all about us. It's all about us. So our longings help us understand what motivates us. Um, I want to say that the core of ourselves, if you're taking notes, I want you just to put the word longing right there and just draw a circle around it because at the core of all of ourselves, we long. And our longing is for a few things. Significance, value, 
Our longing, we long for security. Security is the convinced awareness of being totally loved without the need to earn such love. The convinced awareness of being totally loved without the need to earn such love. I'm going to tell you this for men. I'll tell you right now. You want your wife to love you? I mean, love you. I said one time in a conference, I would drink my husband's bath water if he asked me to. I, you know, it was just a He would never ask me to. But the whole point is, is that that's how much I love him because I know that he unconditionally loves me. So if you can show your wife that you unconditional, because women, we need unconditional love and men need unconditional respect. Pastor Portia, say that again, please. The men says that. Because respect, you know that song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T? You know that? That was really, even though it was sung by Aretha, it was written by a man. Because that's what they need, unconditional respect. But women, we need unconditional love. Our, at the core of ourself, we long. We long for significance. We long for value, the realization of personal adequacy for a life of impact. And our longings help us to understand what motivates us. Whatever satisfies our longing, will eventually and can eventually become our God. When I think about that, I think about the scripture that says, I have this against you, that you have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and that you've hewn for yourselves broken cistern vessels that hold no water. So there are things that we can, that can satisfy us, that we can turn to, that can become our God. Well, Pastor Pritchard, what are those things? Those things are what we call this morning strongholds. Strongholds are not demons. Strongholds are mindsets. Demonic forces can come and attach themselves to those things. But I want you to understand that strongholds are defense mechanisms. So if you're taking notes, some things that we turn to, because see, the moment that you get saved and you give your life to the Lord, nobody pushes the reset button. Nobody says to you, don't turn back to this thing, this thing that you, you used to go to. Some, some defense mechanisms are isolation. Some people, uh, when they get hurt or they, they're going through stuff, they'll just isolate themselves. Pastor, I'm not coming to church no more. Nobody even noticed I was gone. I was gone for two weeks. Nobody called me. Nobody cared about me, Pastor. I ain't coming back to that church. No. Nobody here. But the truth is, is that we got to understand that I, what, what we're longing for. So a lot of times people's defense, but instead of running to God, instead of saying, okay, nobody called, I'm going to make sure I'm going to call somebody else. Because you have to give what you need. You have to sow what you need in order to get what you, okay, we're going to get to it. All right, so basically what happens is we, we, Build, okay, let me, let me explain it like this. About a year ago, the Lord visited me in a dream. And he took me up into this lighthouse. And he turned on the light. And I saw another realm. In this realm, just not too far from earth, from earth, I saw buildings. I saw roads. I saw somebody driving on the road. And they turned around, and they went, ah. And they looked like a vampire to me. And all of a sudden, the lights went off. And so I said, Lord, what is this place? It wasn't heaven, obviously, with somebody looking like a vampire in it. What is this place? And the Lord said, Portia, this is the place of the stronghold. I said, how did it get built? Because it looked kind of nice. I mean, it had buildings in it, you know. Roads, nicely paved roads. He said, Portia, you got to see this. This place that you see is in the spirit realm of your mind. These bricks, every time that you do not, every time a thought comes to you that is not what God's word says, that is not the way God tells you to go, and you entertain that thought, you build a brick in the city of your mind. And that's why it's buildings. I said, well, what about that thing that looks like a vampire? He said, because it is. I said, how is a vampire going around? He said, these are the things that suck the life out of you. These are the places that the enemy comes and hides out in. 
So I want you to identify what these things are in your life because you're building a city, a stronghold. So one of the things could be avoidance. I'm just going to avoid everybody. You see that sister coming to church that you know you don't kind of like? You see her walking in that door? You make sure you go over here. Right? You see that brother you know that you got a problem with? You avoid them? Or you get angry? There's so many things that we can turn to that we can call strongholds. Lying is a stronghold. Defense mechanisms. So we just lie because well, we just used to lying. We, we, we never got in trouble for lying. My father would scare the dickens out of us if we lied. I mean, he could preach hell like you could feel the fire coming on you when he preached it. All liars shall have their part in the lake. Jesus, help me. Nine times out of ten, he would tell us, if you tell the truth, you're probably not going to get in trouble. But lying is a big one. A lot of times we as Christians, we just be like, well, I'll just lie. And we have good reasons to lie. You know, we have, well, I don't really want to hurt them because if they knew the truth, I don't really want to hurt them, so I'm not going to tell them the truth. Lying is a defense mechanism, stronghold. Regression, going back into less threatening times. Fantasy, pornography, escaping into fantasy from the real world. Blame, blaming others for what you did. For why you had that anger outburst. Alcohol, drugs. All of these things are defense mechanisms. You get it? So we use these things to satisfy a longing inside of us, and it meets our needs temporarily. It meets your need temporarily. It doesn't satisfy you for a long time because it's going to go out, and then you're going to need to do it again or do something else, right? So I want you to see what you're longing for this morning. At the core of us, we are longing. Our longings help us to understand. It helps us. Man, I, I want to I find a different word. Okay, let's look at it this way. Our longings, let's look at the different longings first. There's different kind of longings. There's casual longings that we have. There's long, the casual longings are for comfort, convenience. I just want to chill, go get a massage, you know. Oh, I just want to get my hair done, my nails done. There's critical longings. Critical longings for human relationships. Very, very important that inside of you, you need to understand that you don't need to isolate yourself from people. You don't need to stop going to church when you get mad. That's the time when you should go. Man, I would, I would say something, but some kids in here, let me tell you something different. Okay, so I know because <laughs> I can really get in trouble if I want to say what I want to say. You know, the Holy Spirit checks me sometimes, Portia, don't say that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so there's critical longings. For human relationships. So if you just be weird and you just be like, you know what, I'm just going to just not, just, just, I, I don't need nobody. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. I don't need you. Fine, fine. Don't talk to me then. Don't talk to me. Nobody in here, just the other churches that I minister at. But the truth of the matter is, we've been there. So really, I want you to understand that you're really lying to yourself when you say, I don't need somebody, because you really do. We really do need each other. We have a longing for a human relationship. There's a critical, a crucial longing for a deeper relationship with God. That to restore that connection that we lost. There's a deep longing for security and love. Security, love, go hand in hand. That's what we're longing for. Significance, value. In the message in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 10, it says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Don't, it says practice playing second fiddle. You don't have to be first. Don't get mad if somebody didn't pick you to do something. They needed it more. God knew that you could handle it. Oh, man. There's so much I want to say, but let's go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul picks out faith, hope, and love. And he says, he says the greatest of these 
is love. The Women's Conference, Sister Sue, she actually talked a little bit about agape. Agape, we know, is unconditional love. Everybody say agape. It's unconditional love. That means that it's not predicated on a condition. Okay, so she mentioned that there was another three. So the first one is storge. If you ever study uh, love, you study it, there's, there's in the Greek, there is storge love. A storge love is it because of love. Because of love. I love you because of something. I love you because you give me money. I love you because you were there for me. I love you because you listen to me when nobody else listens to me. I love you because you let me drive your car. But when the because of goes away, when you don't give me money no more, when you don't listen to me anymore, when you're not there for me anymore, I don't love you anymore. Everybody say storge, storge is a because of love. Then you have another kind of love, it's eros love. Erotic love. I love you because you're fine. I love you because you look good. I love you because you got nice chichis. I love you because you have a six pack. I told this in the last story, I was so embarrassed. I was a youth pastor for like 17 years. And one day, one of my teenagers was in the store. I happened to walk in the store on her at Safeway up the hill from my house and she's falling out literally on the ground. She's like, oh my God! And she's just literally on the ground, literally that loud. And I said, girl, what is wrong with you? Get up. Oh, my God, Pastor Portia, did you see him? He was so fine. I said, come out here. I need to pray for you real quick. Physical attraction. But the problem is, is when the physical attraction goes away, I don't love you no more. That person gained 100 pounds, peace out. I thought I had loved them, but no. I don't love them no more. Their face got ran over by a truck. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't love them no more. I thought I loved I don't know what happened. Because you had this feeling, this physical attraction, but you got to understand that feelings are not love. Our whole point of our conference was loving one another this weekend. Feelings are not love. They come and go. They come and go. And so we understand that storge is it because of love. I love you because of something. Eros is sexual desire, a physical attraction that come and go. Feelings come and go. And then you have phileo. Phileo is the, the Philadelphia comes from that word. Philadelphia kind of love. It's a brotherly love, a family-oriented love. But it's also I can beat you up, but nobody else can beat you up kind of love. I can talk about my mama, but nobody else better not talk about my mama's kind of love. I told you not to be in my room. Five minutes later, your brother or sister is getting beat up. You're the main one taking up for him because that's your brother. Nobody can beat up your brother but you. Nobody can talk about your mama but you. It was crazy. Growing up, we used to have these things called capping contests. As soon as somebody said, your mama, you'd be like, whoa! I'd be like, what'd they say? What made you fight them? They said, your mama. <laughs> we were so silly growing up. Oh, man, somebody know I'm talking about in here. But I want you to see that there's one more kind of love. So you have the storge, which is what? Yeah, y'all listening. Then you have eros, which is what? Sex, sensual, sexual desire. Then you have phileo love, which is brotherly love. But it's also I love you if. If you do what you're supposed to do, then I love you. So all of these are selfish-oriented lusts. Then there's only one more love, and that word is called agape love. Agape is unconditional love. It is not based upon what you do for me, what you don't do for me. It is not based upon how you look. It is not based upon anything other than a decision, a choice, not based upon a feeling. Think about it. When Jesus was on the cross, he knew beforehand that we were going to deny him. He knew beforehand that Peter was going to deny him. He even told Peter. He even told the disciples. The Bible says all of them lost faith when they seen the grotesque crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He told them, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Never, Lord. 
never deny you. Before the cock throws, I'm telling you right now, you're going to deny me. And all of a sudden, the cock starts crowing. But he didn't, he didn't say, Peter, you finna deny me? I already see the future. Peace out. I'm about to burn you right now, send you straight to hell. He didn't say that. No, he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you're going to deny me, but I have prayed for you. That when you get the strength, you can go ahead and encourage your brothers. He saw something down the line. He saw Peter overcoming that. And I've, I've, I've often looked at that and I said, why did all the disciples lose the faith? And the Bible says they all lost the faith. Even though Jesus, they saw Jesus raise the dead. They saw when they took the stone away from Lazarus' tomb. They saw it all. Why did every single one of the disciples lose the faith? Then I thought about it. They never had an example of how to die until Jesus came. See, my father told me a long time ago, he said, you know what, you got a problem. First, first he builds you up. This is how my dad does. He builds me up. Oh, you're doing good. Look at you. At the time I was youth pastoring. Oh, you youth pastor now. Praise God. Look at you, baby girl. You doing so good. But there's one thing you don't got. <laughs> well, daddy, what is it, daddy? What's the one thing I don't got? He says, you don't have the fruit of death. He said, when Jesus was on the cross, one of the hidden fruits in Revelations was the fruit of death. You don't want to die to yourself, he said. He said, your problem is that you put scabs on sores. And the problem is, is that the sore is still there. I knew exactly what he was talking about. Because I was just with my husband, and I had made this beautiful dinner. And, then, and, and uh, he cut, took a couple bites, but then when I turned away, he raked it all in the garbage. <laughs> and I turned back around, and I said, why did you rake the food in the garbage? He said, I already ate. I said, so... What would have been wrong with you, honey? Like taking the plastic wrapper and just putting it on the plate and, you know, putting it in the refrigerator. That's okay. I will never cook for you again. <laughs> the problem is I meant it. The problem is... <laughs> see, this would be me. This would be me. Like if you did something to me and you said, Pastor, you say, Pastor Portia, I was a pastor too. I I'm sorry. Don't worry about it, honey. That's all right. I'm going to get you back. That's what I be thinking. <laughs> so my dad told me, he said, you, you got it bad. He said, you got to start to die to yourself. You need to practice love. You got to start practice. Somebody say practice. He said, you got to start practicing it. He said, I said, well, how do you do it, daddy? Tell me how to do it. He said, don't let the sore be there. He said, acknowledge the fact that you just got cut and didn't deal with it right away. So, oh, ouch, that just hurt me that you just did that, but I forgive you. I love you. I, I was a vengeful person, and God showed me myself. I would just be like, oh, yeah. One day the Lord showed me. This is something because I'm prophetic, you know. God shows me some things. I have like a gift of knowledge. So one day I'm worried about my husband. He's supposed to meet me at Great America at a certain time. My son was little, it was like 20 years ago, 23 years ago. So I'm walking around in Great America like this because I call his job early. This is before cell phones. I call his job early and I say to him, oh, I, I, can I speak to Stephen? So oh, he left, he been left. So I'm like, oh my God, did I miss, uh, did, did I miscommunicate with him? Uh, maybe, maybe he's going to show up at the merry-go-round at this time. So I called back again. Maybe there's some kind of mistake. So then I started getting worried. You know, your heart starts beating like, oh, my God. So all this time passes by, and I'm walking back and forth with the baby. And so I pray. I said, Lord, where is my husband? Where is he? And the Lord says, Portia, he's out golfing. <laughs> For... <laughs> First, I was relieved that he was all right. But then I started thinking, you know, with my vengeful thought, my vengeful thought, oh, I'm going to get you back. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm going to take the baby, and I'm going to be gone all day, and I'm going to let him worry about me. And then he's going to see how it is like to worry. <laughs> then my dad's words about putting scabs on sores come back to me. 
So I say, as soon as I see him, hey, babe, how you doing? Babe, I want you to forgive me. Do you know that you'll never be judged by what people do to you, but by what you do in return? So I said to him, babe, I want you to forgive me. He said, for what? I said, because God already showed me where you were, that you're out golfing. And I said, I was going to hurt you by staying. <laughs> by, I was going to hurt you back by uh, letting you worry about me. And I was wrong for that. I was wrong. So I'm asking you to please forgive me. That's what started a change in our relationship. Me looking at me and not focusing on somebody else. One of the biggest things that the devil does is he gets us to look at other people. So Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul picks up three things and he says, listen, faith, hope, and love. Then he says the greatest of these is love. So why is love the greatest? First, we need to understand that we can do great things for Jesus. We can heal the sick. We can cast out devils. We can get thousands upon millions millions of people saved. We can do wonderful works for Christ, and we can still miss it. Because we didn't start from a place of love. We didn't start from a place of purity. We started out about being about us. And, and, and the Bible says, if you can speak with tongues of men and of angels, but if you have not love, you are nothing. You are a clanging symbol. You are noise in the ears of God. Noise. So we understand this. We see that God's love can so fill us and change us. See, Sue, Sue brought it out so beautiful about being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to just not, you know, you, you mentioned about baptism earlier. I, I like to say, you know what, it's important to be baptized because that's what Jesus did. We want to follow everything he did, the example that he set for us. I want to do everything he did for me. He didn't have to get baptized, but he did it as an example. How do you know that? Because when Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and descended on him. And out of the voice, out of heaven, came, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he told John, John, you're going to have to do this, John. You're going to have to do this just to fulfill, just as to fulfill. It's one of the prophecies that need to be fulfilled. John, I want you to do this for me because I need to be an example is what he was saying. And then you, then you go forward in the day of Pentecost in, in uh, second chapter of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit comes like fire upon them. So you wonder why, and I love Dr. Violet Kylie. she used to say, why did the Holy Spirit appear like Jesus, like a dove, and appear on everybody else like fire? Because there was nothing in Jesus that needed to be burned out. And there's stuff in us that needed, God wants to burn out, amen? He wants to burn out. So if you, hopefully you have your Bibles already open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Chapter 13. The reason why I said that about the Holy Spirit is because you can't love without the Holy Spirit. You, you, you have to tap into, I shared this at the women's conference. My sister had a dream of this angel came to her and said to her in her dream, how, how much love do you have to give away? And she, she said, all of a sudden in one hand, a glass appeared and it was just a few drops of water. And she said to the angel, she said, listen, if you've only been given this much love, this is how much love you give away. And then another hand, she said, but if you've been given this much love, the glass full of water, you can have this much love to give away. And the angel looked at her and said, I can see why you would think that. But you have something else as a Christian. You can tap into the love of God. You have a fountain of living water. So you can't love people with our love. I had to choose God's love over mine. I had to pray and say, God, I need help. Holy Spirit. Oh, Sunday. I started speaking in my heavy language. Give me your love for people because I cannot love with my love. My love is selfish. I think about myself too much, but you know what? People are going to come in these doors and they're going to know that you are Christians by the love you have for one another. I went to this massive church. All they had was money. I'm serious. I mean, just millions of dollars just for the water fountain. And it wasn't a lot of people there. And in 10 minutes, I could see why. I'm walking around in this church, 
And I'm trying to get somebody's attention just as somebody say hi to me. I'm just walking. Nobody. Everybody was in their own world. Finally, I went to the restroom where women hang out. <laughs> I go there in the restroom, and it's these, it's these women that, you know, wash their hands, I wash my hands, I turn around, I said, hi, how you doing? She says, hi, oh my gosh, you're the first person that spoke to me. I'm new. I'm here at this church. I'm new. And I'm so glad because I was like, I was thinking about going to this church. I heard the pastor preach this powerful word, but nobody would even smile at me. Nobody would even say hi to me. I said, oh. I didn't want to say I felt the same way, girl. I didn't want to say that. So she was like, hey, can you come meet my family? I'm like, sure, why not? Then she says, can you meet me next? This, this is all the way in San Diego. I'm out visiting. So she says, can you meet us next week here? Then I had to tell her, I don't go here to this church. Thank God when I came in, I didn't feel that. Thank God when I came into your church, the people, especially you, this one right here. Have you ever had a hug from her? I mean, you just feel the love. Oh! She feels excited about you being there. What would happen if we did that to everyone that walked in? That they would be like, man, they're really glad I'm there. They would want to probably come back next week just because they got a hug. Wow. Okay, so in verses 4 and 7, it says, we see what love looks like. What does it mean to love? Maybe you didn't have it in your family. Maybe you didn't have an example of how to really love. I understand. But Paul gives us the characteristics of love and its distinguished marks of genuine love. First thing he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says love is patient. Love is patient. How patient am I with the people I say I love? Hurry up! Hurry up! <sighs> if I want someone to feel my love, I need to be patient. Ladies, this is something I had to train my husband to do. Don't tell him. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because my husband will tell you, like, if you do something to me, and, you, uh, and if you do something for me and it's grudgingly, because I asked you to do it. <sighs> I said, don't do it. No, thank you. Don't do it like that. It's just like even when, when you give an offering. I'm going to get to that in a minute. When you do something grudgingly, who wants that? Okay. All right. <laughs> what does my facial expression say? Does my face say, that's okay, babe? Am I saying something with my lips but my face doesn't match it? Am I saying like, I love you. I love you. You know I love you. I told you five years ago that I love you. You should know I love you. Oh, hallelujah. But love is patient. Love is patient. How do I treat people? Another version says love suffers long. In other words, gives the capacity to endure or put up with difficult people in difficult situations and frustrating situations. One of the things God had, and I have to practice this, with people that people don't want to be around. 
One time I was leaving the church and the Lord said, stop. Look, that girl's about to commit suicide over there. Walk over there and I said, I was about to leave, but the Lord just told me that you were really contemplating suicide. I was! <laughs> what if I would have just been like, oh well. <laughs> I got stuff to do. Love is patient. Difficult situations that people don't want to deal with. Man. Man, I wish I had time. You know what? Let me just hurry up. I could just go on forever just on patience. God allows people, and I said this in a conference, I say this all the time, to aggravate the hell out of us so that we can really be patient. We can grow in us the fruit of patience. Somebody actually said to me one time, Pastor Portia, guess what? I'm like, what? They said, somebody laid hands on me, and I got all the fruit of the Spirit. I said, sweetie, that did not happen. <laughs> you might have gotten the Holy Spirit, but all the fruit of the Spirit, fruit has to grow. So God has to put you in situations to grow the fruit of patience where you would have to be patient. He has to put you in situations where you suffer long to grow the fruit of long suffering. He has to put you in a situation where you actually want to hate somebody. The very fact that <laughs> the very fact that the Bible says that you will love your enemies implies that there will be enemies to love. What I'm saying to you, y'all understand what I'm saying. I don't have to keep, keep harping on that. So love is generous, the scripture says here. Love is kind and generous. Generous on all occasions. I used to get so angry. I said this in the last service. So angry when the pastor or a preacher would talk on an offering for a long time. See, this one of them churches want to take your money. Here we go. Here we go. Pastor driving a Bentley. Oh, my God. I mean, I would be tripping. I would be looking nice. But in my heart, I would be screaming, shut up. That's what I would be thinking. Stop trying to get our money. See, that's right. Pastor came in with a new, new pair of jeans on today. See? I don't got no jeans. And God totally changed my life. I mean, he checked me hard. We get to Madison Square Garden years ago, two years before September 11th. It's this mighty man of God. He had a prophecy that bombs were going to go off in New York, and we needed to go there and get as many people saved as we could. So we were out on a, on a street witnessing, some of us in front of the World Trade Center witnessing. Some of us, we're wearing a Bart. I mean, we're witnessing hard because this, this, this guy, he gets his prophecy, says, you know what? Bombs are going to go off in New York, and we're not ready for it. The, 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 the city of New York is not ready for it. And he's crying, and he's going around, and he's raising money because he has to raise $6 million in order to rent out Madison Square Garden because he has to hire all the people that they have. He takes his house, he knows he heard from God, and he takes his house and puts it up and refinances it so that it can help pay for it. And I'm with this man, and I'm sitting on the stage, and my family's doing our little dance, you know, cameras are on us, so we're, my, my dad wrote this song called, Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. So we're there performing that song, so I'm sitting down trying to look cute, you know, on the stage because the camera's on me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my dad did something because I forgot to tell you. We arrived there, and my mom looked like she had a stroke. She was smiling, but half of her face was not smiling. So, Mom, we need to take you to the hospital. Nope, God don't heal me, I'm gonna die. I said, my brother, told my brother, I said, bruh, I said, we need to pray for mama. We need to fast and pray. So we were fasting and praying for my mom. And we're sitting on the stage, and my dad takes the entire check, over 2,000 something dollars, and he puts it in offering. Now a Happy Meal costs $5. More, over $5. This is back then. 
And we're standing in a hotel that over 200 and something dollars a night, and it's a dump. And I could not understand it. As soon as I saw him do that, I was like, And God said to me, what do you have that doesn't belong to me? I said, God, everything I have is yours. He said, is it? But it was the way he said it. Is it? So it caused me to look at myself. And this man gets up there and he says, my church gave $100,000 to these meetings. But God woke me up. And he told me to give $100,000 to my personal savings to these meetings. But if you could have seen my 13-year-old daughter out witnessing today, I would have paid any amount of money for that. All of a sudden, I see myself, selfish little girl. I clean my room, Daddy. What are you going to give me? I swept the floor. What are you going to give me? I did this. What are you going to do for me? And I said, God, forgive me. Everything I have is yours. And I reached in my purse. I got all my money out, which was only $60 to my name. And I threw it in an offering. I said, God, even if I have to fast the rest of the week, I want to be pleasing to you, Jesus. I don't want to be selfish anymore, God. I threw it in an offering. And it's this man coming. He's running across the balcony. He's, he's in an African attire. He actually is a Caucasian gentleman. And he runs up to me and he says, Sister, do you believe in prophecy? I said, yes. He said, the Lord told me to tell you that the blessing of God will overtake you right now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. But right. I was like, yes. I need, Lord, I need the blessing. I didn't know it, but God had told my father to put the whole check in the offering. Because he said, Lord, what do I need to do for my wife to be healed? He said, give it all. So God tested my father. Am I telling you to sell all you have and give it all to the church? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm saying his act of obedience caused my mother to be healed. The next day, my mother woke up and her face was normal. The act of obedience, God is a lot of times saying, just little things. I want you to go over there and apologize. What does the scripture mean when the scripture says, the scripture tells us, it says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes God will be like, I want you to go apologize. You spoke too harshly to your wife this morning. God, you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to put $100 in offering. And that's a sacrifice for me to put that in there. God said, I told you to be obedient. Thank you, but that's not what I was asking. I want you to be obedient when I tell you to do something, when I whisper something to you. But search your heart. Now I really want to find somebody that's teaching on the offering and giving. When I got back home, let me just tell you, everything changed for me. The church bought Part of my backyard. Actually, I didn't even own the house. My landlord was an atheist. In order for him to sell me the house, he would have to sell me the house for $50,000 less than what it was worth. And he said, you know what? He called me up and he said, Portia, I'm going to sell you the house. And I didn't have no money. I didn't have a down payment for the house. I was $30,000 in debt. But I remembered the word of the Lord that that taught me that obedience, that unconditional love, that, that selflessness. Now I finally was growing up. And so I, let me just tell you. I said, sure, no problem, we'll buy it. The very next week, the church called and said, listen, can we buy a portion of your backyard for the parking lot? We'll give you $40,000. When God gets tired of you going through what you're going through, he will instantaneously take you out. But he's trying to teach you something in it. He's trying to teach me something in it, amen? So the Bible says here, it says to be generous. Generosity. Love does not envy. Somebody is doing better than me. How do I feel about it? Somebody sings better than me. How do I feel about it? 
Somebody plays better than me. How do I feel about it? A friend of mine told me one day, she said, Pastor Portia, I mean, they have a huge church. Massive. Nice. These are well-off people. She comes to me and he says, Pastor Portia, listen. He says, she says, I'm having a problem. I need you to pray for me about. She says, we have a new person in the worship ministry and they sing better than me. They play better than me. And something in me is just there. It's stirring. And I just feel like, ah, what is that? How do, what do I do about it? I said, I, I got the solution, girlfriend. I got you. What you do is you promote them more. You let them sing more than you. Put them on a schedule until nothing in you moves. Promote them. Say, I love your voice. Do the opposite of what you feel. Because love is not feeling. That's the problem with the whole world right now. With the church world. We think that I don't feel it. She did it and it was over for her. She didn't have that problem anymore. So love does not envy. Love does not envy. There will always be somebody more talented. There will always be somebody more thinner. There will always be somebody more beautiful. There will always be somebody. How do I respond to that person? Who with me still? A little while longer. A little while longer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Love does not boast, is not proud or self-seeking. The word proud here is translated windbag in the Greek. Somebody that always talk about themselves. I never forget one time, a friend of mine sitting there on her deathbed, dying, seriously, bones broken, and the guy comes in and all he does is talk about himself. I mean, he could have had a flu or something. But all he does is like, how much do I talk about myself? Is it all right if I just ask somebody else how they're doing? How you doing today? How are you? How are your parents? How's your children doing? Is there anything I can do for you? Every single person in this room, we all have something in common. And that is we all want to be loved. And we all want to be unconditionally loved. But if that is really true about you, what God is telling us to do is to get our eyes off of ourselves this morning, find somebody else who has the need that we're, and meet that need in that person. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I want to grow in love, so I need to stop being obsessed with myself. Five, love is courteous, not rude. So the value of another person at the simplest level. We had an opportunity to do that this week. Everybody turned to each other and they were just saying wonderful things about each other. The simplest level is just looking for a compliment to give. I'm, I got to tell this story. One time I had on this bad outfit. It was off the hook. I got it from L.A., right? It's a nice looking outfit. And I walk into church. And someone says, Pastor Portia, that is a beautiful outfit. The person next to her went like this. <laughs> Will it kill you to give a compliment? Man, that is, a, I love that example with these two sisters right here, Jenny and her sister Sue. Man, that is so cute. Oh, I love your top. Oh, that is really gorgeous. You know what's amazing to me when Jesus, he was on his way to Calvary, but they were having, they're having this big festival feast. The lamb, the lamb, the, the uh, what is it called? The, 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 the Passover. It's a big feast, but the Passover lamb is not there. He could have went there. They was all excited. This was after Lazarus' death. He, they would have took him and put him up as king. But Jesus doesn't go where the crowd was. He goes where his friends are. He goes where his friends are. Where do people go? Can they go to your house when they're going through something? He goes where his friends Lazarus and Mary and Martha is the people that served him, the people that did good to him. 
It was so refreshing for me this week to be able to go to my friend's house because I knew they were going to take care of me. And I know that they unconditionally loved me. That they looked past everything and they knew even what I was going through, they knew my heart. They saw past and they see my heart. So refreshing. Ah. Love is always courteous, it's never rude. I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm gonna tell you right now, church, if we can learn just how to apologize rightly, if we could just, I said this at the women's conference, women, do you remember what are, uh, what is it? I'm sorry, I was, please. You know who taught me that? Joel Steen's mother. I was there in Texas for a conference, and everybody got up and they did elaborate words. It's on the Greek and everything. They did wonderful words. And I don't remember none of them. I can't tell you what they said, not one person. As eloquent as they taught. But she got up and she said, I'm gonna give you a simple word today, church, how to apologize. I'm sorry I was wrong, please forgive me, I love you. Okay, you got it? Because a lot of times when we do something wrong or somebody comes to us, I'm gonna teach you this this morning because we're talking about love this weekend, loving one another. And we're not gonna be long. But I have to teach you this. Somebody says to you, you hurt me, you did me wrong. This is what you say, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Last thing I would ever wanna do is hurt you. Please forgive me, I was wrong, please. I love you. Versus, if I offended you, then I'm sorry. If takes no responsibility for your actions. No responsibility. So we gotta change it. You know what, even if we don't think, even if we didn't mean to. Because we value that, we talked about that, me and Sue this weekend, we talked about just, just valuing each other's relationship. I'm almost done. Love is courteous, never rude. Love is not rude, practice it, practice it. Listen, agape is something I practice. I don't get up every morning and say, I feel like loving my husband today. I choose to. I choose to get up every morning and say, I will love unconditionally today. Why? Because we fail to agape one another. Millions of teenagers run away every year. Because we fail to agape one another, there's a whole lot of church splits. Because we fail to agape one another, somebody was doing sign language on the streets of Los Angeles, and somebody took a gun and blew their brains out because they thought they were doing gang signs. Agape is a choice. Because I am doing it not because you deserve it, I'm doing it because he deserves it. He did it for me. You ever think about it, the disciples of Jesus, nobody taught them how to die until Jesus did. They never had an example of how to die until they met Jesus. Until they met Jesus. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm just challenging you to another level of love. I'm challenging you to come up a little bit higher in your way of thinking. To look at this thing and say, Lord, I'm not giving you this. God is not giving us these scriptures to condemn us. He's given us these scriptures because he, it's the mirror of the word. And he wants us to see, okay, this is where I need you to come up higher. This is where I need you to pray in these areas so that you can say, God, help me to be more patient. God, help me, God, to not be so critical. Help me, God, to be more thankful. I love sitting with Brian and Rachel yesterday. Last night they came over. And one of the things that they were saying is, Rachel links and looks at me. She says, you know what? God is just teaching us how to be more thankful. Oh, God. You know, if your husband comes home, ladies, I know I'm over time, Pastor, forgive me. Give me five more minutes, would you? Listen, if your husband comes home and, and you just be like, you didn't take out the garbage. You said you were going to take out the garbage for your love. You didn't do it. You, you, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. They ain't going to want to come home. Oh, you did. You took out the garbage. You so good. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Practice. Somebody say practice. Love is not easily angered, not quick to be offended or upset. Am I quick to be offended? Am I the pastor's worst nightmare? When the pastor see me coming, does he go? Oh. 
When somebody calls on the phone, is it going to be all complaints? Or am I calling to encourage them? Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. I am so fortunate. One of my mentors, she tells me all the time, she says, she'll let me cry. And she'll be like, oh, Portia, oh, sweetheart. Then she'll say, get over it, girl. You know who you called to be. You know you can't stay here in this place of offense. You know you got to let this stuff go. You know you got to choose to love anyway. You know that greater is he that's in you in the world. You can't do it in your own strength, but God has it for you. You know that you can do it with the power of God. My sister, she saw the angel, and the angel said, you know, what, what do you have to love with? And she tells the angel, she says, he, all of a sudden a glass appears in her hand, and, and it's a little bit of water. She said, this is all I have. This is all I have love I've been given. This is the love I have to give. And then the angel show, shows in his hand a big thing of water or glass. He says, this is what I have. If this was the love I was given, then this is the love I can give. The angel says, I understand why you would think that way, but it's wrong. Because you have the power to tap into agape itself. You have the power to tap into heaven's source, to the, to the rivers of living water. You have the power to love with the love of God. That's why it's important to build yourself up in spiritual tongues. That's why it's important to build up your spirit man. Because it, I don't have this love naturally to love. I can't feel like it. I choose to do it, but I can do it with the help of God. So I want you just to write this down. Love is consistent. Love always protects, hopes, and perseveres. Love always protects, always perseveres. Somebody say always. So who do I need to be patient with? God is going to give you somebody right now. How can I be more generous? When I do the tithes, do I just go $3.22? Nobody in here, I know everybody tithes in this church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Humility. Which of my friends or colleagues am I tempted to envy? Courteous. Who do I need to listen to more and show more respect more? Let me give you, give you this. This is, this is for free. I'm going to go and give it to you. So come on up, Pastor Sue. Come on up. I'm going to give you this. This is going to help you because you guys, you guys, your church is about to grow. I really see a move coming in the future. I really see it. I, and, but it's going to happen through us unconditionally loving each other, right? So watch this. Now, you come up and you try to talk to me. And I'm talking to Pastor. This, this is one technique I want to give you before I leave. So you come up on this way. Now I'm talking to Pastor Sue, but I see you through the corner of my eye. This is after church. So I'll grab your hand like this. I say, hold on one minute. So Pastor Sue, I'm going to go ahead and finish what you were saying. Because both of them are important. Versus this. Don't you see me talking to her? <laughs> Thank you so much. Y'all get the point. You get the point. So restraint. Where have I shown a bad temper or given evidence of self-pity? Joy is there. Somebody whose difficulties have become my pleasure. Is there somebody whose difficulties have become, yeah, I'm glad they're suffering. Ooh, they should be suffering. I don't know nobody in here but at those other churches. Consistency. What good thing in a, is a person, in a person's life has brought me joy in this last week? I'm so glad, man. Pastor and them got a new car. Woo! They got a new car. You go, pastor. Come on, pastor. Go, God is blessing my pastors. Thank you, Jesus. Versus. God ain't blessed me with nothing. Examine yourself through the mirror of God's word. Go ahead and play. Because I'm going to pray for you. This is all God's goal for us. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. If you didn't find yourself in any part of this message, if you didn't find yourself in it, something is wrong. 
something is wrong. Who here found, saw something that you could do better? Some way that you can show more love to people, right? I know I did. When I was reading it, it was tearing me up. I was like, Portia, see? Here you go, right here. But I can't do it on my own. So I started crying out to God. I'm just a child, God. I need you, Father. I'm just a child, God. I need you, Daddy. Will you come and fill me now with your love, with your power? I don't want a selfish love, God. I don't want the world love the way the world loves. I don't want to love the way the world loves. I want to love the way you love me. I want to love the way you love me. When people come in, Lord, let them see your love. Let them feel your love. Let them feel your love, God, through me, through my touch. I don't want to be in a hurry. I want people to see you. I want people to see you. I want them to feel you, Jesus. I want them to feel you, Jesus. Change me, Lord. Fill me with your love. I don't want to be a selfish girl anymore. I don't want to be a selfish person anymore. Jesus, revival is coming. Let it come through me. Love through me, Jesus. Love through me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, fill me, fill me, God, again. Love through me. Love through me. Love through me. Samatono Rebakono Soterekia. Ri amandoroso, ri asondoro, ri andikite rebiaso, ri andere rebia konosati, roshobakana. I saw when I was sitting over there, I saw a drama on stage. Saw drama. God wants to bring that. There's creative gifts inside of you. It's not okay just to sit here. There's something for you to do. There's something more for you to do. There's creative gift that God wants to unlock. Unlock it, Lord. Unlock it. Unlock it in this place. Unlock it in this place. Because I'm going to tell you, some people are not going to get saved by the word. Some people are going to get saved because they see the word. I unlock it in this place, the creativity all over this room. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Father. I thank you and I praise you. I thank, ooh. The Lord says, I come to you today. I come to you today, my son. To stir in you again. To lift you up with me. Come and fly with me on eagle's wings. Come away with me. In the morning time, I'm teaching you to love how to love, how to give love to your family. God says, I'm baptizing you again. Baptizing you again. Even today, I come afresh upon you. I pour out my spirit upon you today. So much for you to do. I see you opening up the word. I see you just, not even your, just your family, but I see you going out, even and talking to people on the streets, talking to people, even men who you talk to and witness to. I see it. I see it. Get ready, man of God. Stir up your heart today. Stir up your heart today. Dive into my word. There's more. There's more. Draw close to the pastor. Draw close to the leadership of this house. There's more for you. There's more for you. Even in my word. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. 
get ready. ready. I know I'm totally out of time, but praise God. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your hospitality. Wow. Ah. Over your heads, over your heads, I see the word faithful. God wanted me to tell you, thank you for being faithful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Matt, can you stand up? God has something for you. Love for you. You know that. He has it for you, Matt. Just go ahead and stretch out your hands. Wow. I see both, I know. <laughs> but he has it for you. So get ready. You've already been preparing for it. You already know. Your prayers are going to be answered. And this one right here, this man that's standing. Just, everybody just stretch your hands toward him, would you? Just stretch your hands. Oh, yeah, no, 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 so no, no, I'm drawing you close to me. I'm giving you freedom and liberty. I'm drawing you close, says the Lord, because I love you, because I love you, because I love you. Even today, I say the past is erased. Even today, I say you're saved, not by power, but by my grace. Even today, even today, even today, I want you to know, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I love you. He's pouring out his spirit upon you right now. Receive, receive. Matt, can you just lay your hands on his back right there? Come on. Remember this day that you feel the presence of God because God's going to use you. He has some plans for you in the future. Don't look back. Keep your eyes on the prize in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I thank you now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God's good, amen? You know, I shared in, in the first service, the uh, Spirit of God, I'll share it with you, and we're going to receive an offering for Portia, but what happens is, is I was driving up today, and I noticed in Shingle Springs, they're having a big swap meet. looked like an overgrown yard sale really what it is, where everybody gets together and sells their junk to other people who really don't need more junk. But what happens is, is life loads our life down with junk. But then we get attached to our junk, and we'll let it go if we can get something for it. But to just give it away, and sometimes we come to God with the swap meat mentality. God, I'll give up the junk of my past if I could just get something for it. But God asks you just to give. Just to give it away. Just to trust Him that you could give it. That in giving, you receive more. Giving's more than about money. Sometimes you have to give up the junk of yesterday's discouragements. Disappointments. The things that keep us from walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Because as long as that other stuff in there, the fruit can't abide there. Would you just close your eyes just for a moment? And I want you to do this. Before you give to Sister Portia,